Amen. Um, this happened twice in a couple of weeks. My wife asked me, hey, do you want to go to Paris, France? I said, uh, no, I don't think I like French fries, so no. <laughs> and then just a couple days after that, Myron, my nine-year-old, said, Dad, if you could go anywhere, where would you go? I said, Grant's Pass. He said, no, it can't be here. I said, okay, Brookings. No, it can't be around here. I said, Corvallis. He's like, Dad, I don't like going places anymore. I'm pretty happy in Southern Oregon. I like it. It's got everything that I want right here. And I don't like getting on planes anymore. Like, it's changed. The last time I was on a plane, I flew down to go to our, the mission we support in Mexico. I was with Myron, my nine-year-old. And as we're flying, the flight attendant comes down and is like, would you like dinner? And I said, what are my choices? She said, yes or no. I was like, oh, okay. <clears throat> well, <laughs> no thanks then, I guess. It's just changed. I, I'm pretty happy. I don't like traveling that much anymore. However, we're in the book of Philippians. And we're specifically going through Philippians, a book written in crushing circumstances. Paul's in prison. He's been there a long time. There's, there's a high probability he's going to lose his head, right? And in the midst of those very pressing circumstances, Paul pens the letter of Philippians, full of joy and gladness and happiness. And it's glorious, right? It's rejoicing. And what you see in Philippians is, I think there's a way to live regardless of your circumstances that still brings a happy life. That God does actually care about our happiness. And Philippians is the model, right? The world is trying to sell us, this is the way to happiness, but it doesn't work. Paul says, here's how it works. And in the latter half of chapter three, where we're at right now, Paul gives this glorious destination. It's both a journey and a destination. And I think if you'll grab onto these things, it's joyful, it's glad, it's happy, it's brilliant, it's amazing. So you ready? Let's jump in. It's three simple kind of goals that you and I should be rolling in our heads and thinking through in life because it brings I think happiness. So number one, goal number one, keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Look at verse 12, Philippians 3. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. This is the Apostle Paul, author of a large chunk of the New Testament. Missionary to the known world, Acts 17, he turned the world upside down. He goes, I'm not there yet. Pretty humbling, no matter what you've accomplished, for Paul to say, no, I haven't even arrived. But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had, has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. That's an underliner. I like where the Bible says one things. I can't do like 50-step programs. I can do a one-step program. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. 
I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Goal one, on this journey with a brilliant destination, Paul says, here's the one thing I do. I forget the things that lay behind and I press forward to what Christ has for me. Now, what are the things that Paul would be forgetting? Two weeks ago, I was here. The first half of this chapter is Paul's resume. He just starts talking about his past, like the way that he lived. Gives his resume, right? And there was some really good stuff. He would have memorized the first five books of the Bible. That's a pretty cool accomplishment. He said, I was blameless according to the law. As far as it came to living the way that God had instructed the Israelites in the Old Testament, Paul says, I'm blameless. I did it. Those are good things, things to be proud of. But there was bad things too. He said, I persecuted the church. I was a bad guy. I hurt good people. In fact, in Acts chapter nine, you know Paul's testimony. He's knocked to the ground by a bright light and Jesus himself appears to Paul and says to Paul, why are you persecuting me? When you hurt my body, when you hurt believers, you're hurting me. Now, what had Paul done? Well, in chapter seven, Stephen, a godly, brilliant, amazing man, he stood there as Stephen was stoned to death. Can you imagine that? Watching somebody lose their life by being hit repeatedly with rocks over and over and over again until he stops breathing. Could you imagine the PTSD from that at night? Having that relived in your head, right? Bad stuff. So Paul says, my resume, the good stuff and the bad stuff, I put it away. I forget the things that lie behind. Now, why would he forget the good stuff? I think here's why. When we get so focused and caught up on the good old days, we tend to miss today. I don't know how many times I've had this conversation with somebody who's told me about the good old days, and I appreciate it. Hey, I was a pastor at this church. Hey, I was a missionary over there. Hey, I used to volunteer. I used to do Bible studies there, right? I used to be involved in some way. And I'll say, hey, that was awesome. What are you doing now? And it's the sound of silence. When we get really focused on the past good stuff we did, we can rest on our laurels. And nothing wilts faster than laurels being rested on. Matt, what language are you speaking? What is a laurel? Okay, let me give you a modern translation of that. Babe Ruth said this, yesterday's home runs don't win today's games, right? We can't be focused on what you did yesterday, even good stuff. It's move forward. That for every one of us, there are Ephesians 2.10, good works that God wants you specifically, personality, relationships, the 
exact kind of job that you can do that no one else can do, your good works, he wants you to be involved in those things. The reason why you're still here is because there's stuff left for you to do. So Paul says, I had to forget the good stuff. I couldn't rest on it. There were still good things that God wanted me to do today. You know what's fascinating about studies on really happy people? One of the main common denominators is this. They're always getting involved in new things that typically involve people. Like they're, all, that's what they, they're active involved in things, new things with new people. Hey, I'm in this great theology group. We get together, we study a book of the Bible, or we study a great book and we talk about it. And volunteer at the gospel rescue mission or Joe's place or CASA or foster care or whatever it is. They're just involved in the community and it brings happiness. It's what Paul's saying right here. I didn't rest on my laurels. I didn't talk about yesterday's home runs. I was letting my light shine today that men would see my good works and glorify their father in heaven. So he forgot the good stuff and he also forgot the bad stuff. This one's easier to see why it's a problem, right? that when we sit and we relive the negative stuff that we've done or has been done to us, we know it's not good. We have a word for it. You know what that word is? It's ruminating. Do you know what ruminating is? It's what a cow does. A cow goes out, eats some grass, sits down, vomits up the grass, Rechews it, ruminates on it, swallows it, vomits it, swallows it, vomits it, swallows it. That's called ruminating. That's exactly what we do when we relive trauma and bad things to us, right? So what the Bible is saying right here is, listen, don't be a cow. Don't ruminate. Or you're going to end up really moody. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> so bad. When people relive the bad and ruminate on it, here's what happens to you. You become powerless. Something happens in your brain when you start living through the negative stuff where you don't feel like you have any power in the present. You get par paralyzed by it. You become much more critical of yourself, much more I'm this or I'm that, taking an identity that's not the one that the Bible gives you, but taking an identity that the enemy wants you to live. You become unwilling to try new things, right? You get stuck in a rut. Paul says, this one thing I do, I forget those things that lay behind. Here's the really good news. The older you get, the easier it is to do, <laughs> right? You know it's right. It's been said that a preacher is only as good as his last message because no one remembers it, right? Here's what's amazing. I don't remember them now. At 50, I've forgotten. I wrote it, I practiced it, I preached it three times, and I don't even remember it. People will come and be like, hey, Matt, remember last week you said this? Nah, I don't, podcast it, bro. I've forgotten it. I forgot those things that lay behind, right? This one thing I do. Here's where I get in trouble with people. They'll say, Matt, you just don't understand. We need to work through the past. We need to work through that trauma. We need to work through that issue. We need to work through what was done to us. We need to kind of the, the unearth that garbage and, and relook at it. And, and we got to do that. You just don't understand. You don't understand how wounded I am. I understand that. And there's like a modern way of almost comparing how bad our lives are, right? 
I didn't grow up in Camelot, I can say that, but I don't care about trying to figure out who's the worst victim. I just think this is brilliant right here. It's brilliant and it works. And I'll give you a couple analogies. Number one is this. When you're driving a vehicle, there are two ways to figure out what's going on. You can look out the windshield or you can look in your rear view mirror. Which one should you do more if you wanna reach your destination, right? I think a lot of people get so caught up in looking in the rear view mirror that they end up wrecking things. What Paul is saying is, hey, you can glance in the rear view mirror, no problem, but drive through the windshield. And secondly, it's this. I believe, 1 Corinthians 5, that Jesus has prepared a feast for me right now. So why would I go dumpster diving into my past? I don't want to dumpster dive. Man, I'm forgetting that stuff. I'm moving forward. I'm reaching forward. This is what I want. This is how I want to live now in the future, right? And I think a lot of times we have these New Testament principles, and they almost always have an Old Testament picture to help us flesh it out. So in the Old Testament, there's this guy named Lot. You guys know him? His name means a lot of trouble. That's what Lot was. Like where he went, there was a lot of trouble. So he lives in a city with a lot of trouble has these angels that look like men come visit him. The city is so troubled, they try to get the men and rape the men, right? So then uh, Lot's daughters almost get raped by the same mob. Like it's a bad, bad spot. So the angels are like, get out of here and don't look back. Leave this place behind. Leave this PTSD, terrible place behind and get out. So they do that and they're running. But it says Lot's wife stopped and she turned around and she looked back. And what happened to her? Turned into a pillar of salt. And the Bible actually uses salt in the desert, Psalm 107, verse 34. Jeremiah 17, verse six, as an example of desolation and terribleness. But that's our picture. If we're staring back at bad stuff and just focusing on it, man, it ruins the good soil that could be right now. It, it salts the land, turns it into a desert, right? Well, man, I just can't do that. I'm too weak. These thoughts come, they flood me. They, they overtake me. I, I can't do it. I was thinking about that a couple weeks ago and I was driving over to Brookings of all places. I was behind this 18-wheel semi-truck that's driving that windy 199. I cannot believe how fast those guys can drive. I could barely keep up with this guy, right? I don't know if they're incredible drivers or they're insane or they're on drugs, but they drive like crazy, right? So I'm behind him and all of a sudden we come around this corner and there was this tiny lady, like the size of an elf, right? Dressed like one. She put out this colorful piece of metal and that semi-truck, 1,000 horsepower, 80,000 pounds, locks them up, stops right by her. Now, why? Is it because she's more powerful? No, she's less than a horsepower. Is it because she's bigger and stronger? No, she's a thousandth the size of that 18-wheeler. It's because of two things. Number one, she had authority. She had a breastplate of righteousness, a neon vest on. And then she had a sign with a word on it that said, stop. And it stopped a semi. Listen, 
Half of my job is telling you guys the authority and the word that you have already. Second Peter 1 verse 3 says, you have already been given everything you need for life and godliness. We're constantly thinking we need something else, someone else, some guru, some DVD, something. And the Bible says, you've already got it. Discover what you've already got. You're like Dorothy with the shoes on. They're already there. You've already got it, right? Learn what you've already been given. Learn your citizenship in heaven. Learn the power of God's word. This isn't just, just somebody's ideas on a piece of paper. This is a living, powerful book. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Three times Jesus was attacked by the enemy. You know what Jesus did three times? It is written. He directly quoted the word. Oh, that you and I might know our citizenship. What it means to be a son, a daughter of King Jesus. Oh, that we might know what the word says about us, that whom the son has set free is free indeed. That old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Let us reason together. Though your sins were like scarlet, you made a mess of your past life. Right now, they're white as snow because of the power of Jesus Christ. You're no longer a slave to unrighteousness. You are now a servant to righteousness. That's what it is. I'm not gonna sift through the garbage anymore. I'm gonna feast on what Jesus has for me today. Like we don't even have any idea. We're going through 1 Corinthians on Wednesday nights right now. And in chapter six, Paul just says this, don't you know you're gonna judge angels? Like what, I had no idea, yeah. Do we know, like Paul just assumes, oh, that you would know what it means to be a son, a daughter of King Jesus. You're gonna judge angels, the power and authority that you have been given. That's what Paul's saying right here. Oh, that you might know. I think this is brilliant. This one thing I do, I forget the things that lay behind. And I reach forward to the high call that Jesus has on my life today. And I have a great example of this, that it actually works. Her name is Anna Malia. I've met her twice, once for a dinner, and then at a wedding prep, I met her. She's gone through stuff that you and I cannot imagine. She was in Rwanda in 1994. If you know history in Rwanda, there was a genocide that happened and it's unbelievable. With, it's like a concentrated Holocaust. In less than 90 days, minimally 800,000 people were killed. Most of them hacked to pieces by machetes. And her story is, Brutal off the chart. She wrote a book. It's this is the book. I have it. It's brilliant. Right? Terrorized in Rwanda, healed by grace. And she talks and shares. And when you're with her, you would never know this because she is the most smiley, happy, laughy person I have ever been with. Because she understands Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. I forget those things that lay behind. And I reach forward to the high mark that Christ has on me. You want a joy in the journey? You want happiness in life? Number one, keep moving forward. Number two, find the right leaders. Check this out, verse 17. Brothers, join in imitating me. 
and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Paul says, on this journey, keep moving forward. And number two, follow the right leaders. Follow the right leaders. Find a mentor, find people that you say, I want their life. And Paul says, be very careful about this. Do you know that every single one of us, we're all being mentored? Do you know that? By the books you read, by the podcast you listen to, by the people you follow on whatever social media, Twitter, Instagram, they are mentoring you. There's a reason that they're called influencers today, because guess what they do? They influence you. That's what they do. So Paul says, be very careful. And we have an example of that right now of how mentoring works. Here's what I mean. Some of us, back in the fall, we sent off our kids, our family, or friends, we sent them off to college somewhere, like Portland. Now, some of those kids, they'll come back and they'll maintain their Grants, grants Pass roots. They'll still be driving a jacked up truck. They'll still wanna go out in the woods and burn stuff just randomly. They'll still eat hamburger helper out of a big aluminum pot, right? They're still Grants Pass people but most of them will come back and they've changed. They sold the truck and they bought a Subaru with a coexist sticker on it, right? You wanna take them out to eat, you're like, hey, let's go, let's have a burger. They're like, I'm a vegan now. Oh, while you're waiting for the meal to come, they pull out their knitting needles and they knit you up a nice little wool sock or a scarf or something. You're like, what in the Hades happened to you? Portland happened, right? It influences us. Paul says, be very, very careful who you allow to influence you. Follow the right kind of leaders. And then he says, I'm, I'm an example of the good leader. You've seen me, you've seen my way of life. You've seen my care for you guys. And then he warns, look out for these kind of leaders. And he gives us three marks of bad leaders. Number one, he says, their God is their belly. Let me modernize this. They worship their bodies. Have you seen this on the internet? People that seem to worship their body. It's all about their body, right? God forbid that someone grows old today, right? Like it's the worst thing that could happen to you. Do you know how recent that is? For most of human civilization, it was an honor to be old. Do you know why? Because most people died at 40. The average lifespan was 40 years old up till about 100 years ago. So if someone was like 60 years old, you'd be like, how'd you do it, bro? Man, what's your secret? How'd you grow old? Tell me, let me live like you, right? Now it's like, you're old? Isn't there a pill for that or something? What's wrong with you? It's insane. Look out. Look out for people that worship their bodies, people that are all into their bodies, right? 50-year-olds trying to bring sexy back. Look out for that. I've said this and I'll say it again. I have never looked at an older man and been like, check out the abs on that dude. Woo, right? Number one, because it's usually an ab, but that's not what I admire. You know what I admire? 
Check out that man's marriage. Look at his family. Look at his reputation. Look how he loves his neighbors. Look at how courageous he is. Look how bold he is. Look how he stands for Jesus. That's what I admire. It's character. It's that kind of stuff. It's not bodies, right? So Paul says, number one, run. Run from people who worship their bodies. Number two, they glory in their shame. No modernization needed. There are people that are bragging about sin, posting sin, talking about sin. Get away from them. I tell this to young people all the time. I don't need to be a prophet to tell you what you'll be in one year. I just need to look at your friends. If they're glorying in shameful things in one year, you will too, because that's what happens to us. Read the entire book of Proverbs. It's over. Son, look out who you run with or they're gonna get you, suck you into their same stuff. Don't follow people, that glory and shameful activities. And then thirdly and lastly, don't follow people that mind earthly things. Modernize that. Don't don't follow people that are secular. You know what secular means? It's the Latin for now. And it's from the enlightenment. In the Enlightenment, here's what happened in Western civilization 250 years ago. It was, guess what? There is nothing other than now. There's no heaven, there's no hell. There's no God, there's no angels. There's no Satan, there's no demons. All there is, is the now. So let's not worry about any of that stuff. Let's just worry about the now stuff. So we became a secular society. And that idea, it's preached from the time you were a little kid all the way through college. You're just preached secularism, and it affects us. We put our mind on earthly things. It's now. Hey, don't worry about doing things God's way. If, if you want a relationship, move in together, sleep together, because you want it now. You don't want to wait for that, right? It's, it's drugs. Why are drugs so prevalent now? Because we want comfort now, right? The same exact things that your brain releases to make you feel good with drugs, your brain releases by diet, exercise, and achievement. But guess what diet, exercise, and achievement take? Time. And I don't have time. I want it now. So secularization has ruined us. Paul says, get away from people. They're gonna try to feed you and sell you an easy way. Oh, you don't have to put in the time. Oh, you don't have to put in the work. Oh, you don't have to do that. No way. No way. They're lying to you. Real life takes effort. Real life takes work. Follow people that will tell you the truth, right? That's what they're saying. Follow people that will tell you about delayed gratification. Listen, wait, wait for it. You'll enjoy it so much more later, okay? And then finally, Paul says this. Here's the brilliant part of all this. It's the goal. We're on the journey. Man, we need to forget the things that lay behind. Be involved in what's right now, what's happening right now, the good works God has for us. We're gonna find good leaders that are gonna mentor us and shape us and point us in the right direction. And then he says, have an eternal mindset. Not a secular mindset, an eternal mindset. Look at verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we wait a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, 
who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. On this journey, forgetting the stuff that lays behind, reaching forward to the high prize that Jesus has for you, surrounding yourself with people that are like-minded, heading that direction, and then make sure and have an eternal mindset. Oliver Wendell Holmes said many years ago that Christians were too heavenly-minded to be any earthly good. Have you heard that before? That's a lie. Paul was heavenly-minded in my goodness. He's one of the most influential men in history. Right? You look at any list, no matter what list it is, the Apostle Paul is top 10. Change the world, right? The point, the conclusion, the destination for the believer is this right here, verses 20 and 21. That's the destination. We're supposed to have the perspective that one day this lowly body, if you don't believe your body is lowly, you're not old enough yet. Wait a couple years. One day this body gets transformed, that it's a seed that gets planted and produces something that you couldn't even imagine. You can't compare a redwood seed to a redwood tree. That's what the Bible says. It's this perspective that keeps us. When we have heaven as a goal, earth becomes golden. And I'll try to prove it in three ways. Number one, the Bible says this, earth is like a rest stop. You ever travel, you ever stop at a rest stop? Pretty nice if you gotta go to the bathroom, right? You're glad to stop there. When I would take trips down to Mexico with high schoolers and have 13 or 14 of them in a van and they start getting rowdy, I'd stop at a rest stop and then I'd make them do 50 yard dashes. Why? Tire them out, right? Really love the rest stop. Get back in, better trip. Love a rest stop. What if you tried to live at a rest stop? What happens? Go to Merlin, right? You'll see it's trash, it's disgusting. There's crime, it doesn't work because it can't handle the pressure of an entire life. Listen, this earth, whatever happened in Genesis 3, fractured it in such a way that it can no longer handle all the pressure that we wanna put on it. And when you try to put everything into this earth, when you're secular, when you mind just earthly things, guess what? You become miserable. It's all about fun, 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 fun. I gotta do this, gotta do this. You just put so much pressure on it. Earth becomes like a rec, uh, rest stop that just gets trashed in your head because it can no longer contain all of the pressure and all of the hopes and all of the dreams that we have for it. It can't take it anymore. That's what the Bible says over and over. You guys are pilgrims. You're pilgrims. And earth is a rest stop. But one glorious day, Jesus, your Lord and Savior comes and you go where you're destined to live. Number two, I took this from C.S. Lewis. He said, imagine a building, a big building. Half of the residents believe the building is a hotel. The other half of the residents believe the building is a jail. Which group will enjoy the, the building more? Right? If you think the building's a hotel, you're going to complain. Man, the food wasn't that good. Chicken was dry today. Bed's lumpy. 
My view is terrible. I can't believe this. Can't they fix the view? But the group that believe it's a jail, guess what? They're stoked. They got a bed. I got a bed. I got a window. There's no guards. You can come and go. Can you believe this? This is awesome. They had food for me today. It was warm. Listen, the believer's perspective actually makes earth way more happier because we know it's a prison cell that one day we escape from and we go where we were destined to. So we just enjoy it for what it is. Understanding it's fractured and broke, but there's still really good things in it. Does that make sense? Have an eternal perspective. Your job. Anyone work with somebody that's really grumpy and complains all the time? Just asking for a friend. And then one week they come in and they're happy and they're whistling. And you're like, dude, what happened to you? Where's the grumbling and complaining? Next week, I'm going to the Bahamas. Ever had somebody like that? That week, they're able to just somehow put all their grumbling and complaining away. Why? Because they have a future destiny that they're really excited about. Listen, that's what's supposed to happen to us every single day. Why would I grumble and complain? I've got future glory coming. I've got a destiny that blows me away. See, our hope is real simple. Our king has come. He has conquered death and sin and the law and all the stuff that was written against us that would not allow us in. And now we have a citizenship that's in heaven. And nothing can take that away. Do you know that? There's no law that can take that away. There's no government that taken that away. Cancer can't take it away. Disease can't take it away. Enemies can't take it away. Nothing can take away your citizenship in heaven. It is secure. And right now we're pilgrims on a journey, forgetting the stuff that lays behind, knowing that whatever comes today, our king has given us the daily bread to be more than a conqueror today. And we're surrounded by like-minded people that keep telling us, put your hope in him, put your hope in him. That's a brilliant life. This is how Paul lived. This is why Paul in prison, facing the separation of his head from his neck could say, I rejoice, I'm happy. Because you forget the stuff that lays behind because he was surrounding himself with people that had the same mindset and he knew his citizenship was in heaven. I'm telling you, this is happy right here. This is joyful. 